Hi, hello, Gazuntite. Welcome back to Thanks for Participating. I'm Josh. And I'm Sydney. And we are your hosts. Heck yes, we are. Heck yes, we are. Sid. Yeah. I feel like it's been a while since we've recorded just the two of us. It has been. We've had a lot of guests on. Actually, we recorded the episode with your dad three times in a row. <laughs> but then we did have the one where it was just the two of us talking about uh, stargazing. But in the last one, we had two guests on. So it kind of like counted for two different episodes with guests. So I don't know. It, it has felt a while since it's just been the two of us talking. Even though, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Just that I was going to bring up that we are still recording in the living room rather than in our study because we never took the table down from when Mel and McKay were here. Because we are lazy. Well, we also went on vacation. That's true. We did. But then we came back from vacation and we've been back for like over a week and we like have not put it back. We've been back for like almost two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Whoopsies. Part of it's because we got back from vacation and I realized that I was very, very behind in my summer semester because we went on vacation and that was the first week of classes. And since it's like a condensed term, each day of class is like a week of class during a normal semester. And so I missed two days and I, so I came over the trip and realized that I was basically two weeks behind. And so it's been pretty stressful. Yeah, you have an excuse. I don't. I've just been lazy. Yeah, also started the new job. Yes, that's true. You started a new semester or term, I guess, and a new job in the same week. Yeah. It's exciting for you. My first midterm tomorrow. I've only been to two classes. <laughs> <laughs> stressed, but should be fine. Yeah, you'll do great. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we um, just kind of spur of the moment decided to do? to ourselves for the next several months oh it took me a second to figure out what you were uh talking about um yeah so we have impulsively decided to train for a half marathon and do it it's gonna take us six months and i'm kind of nervous because i've already got shin splints and i i so i used to run a lot in junior high and i pushed myself too hard and just kept running on shin splints and made things worse. And so I am very prone to injury and shin splints now because of my stupid 14-year-old decisions. And so we are one week in, and I already have, like, decently bad shin splints. So <laughs> I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm also excited. I'm excited, too. I, I haven't been running in basically two years, over two years, um, was the last time that I was a little bit consistent with running. And it was like when I was running at all. And I've never really like been a consistent like runner. Like I've never been running for like consistent exercise. And so I'm really out of shape. Plus I put on poundage during the panorama that we're in. And I think we all put on poundage. And so... I put on a lot of poundage. <laughs> um, And we have been meaning to like try exercising to like lose some weight but honestly like I don't like working out I've never been good at because I don't know what to do like I start and like two minutes into it I'm just like well I am bored I don't know what to do (laughs) like Sid brought up to me what if we train for a half marathon and I loved it because that kind of solves that issue because that gives us a goal 
to work towards and it gives all of the um, exercises and stuff that we do kind of a purpose and so it makes it a little bit easier to like keep track of that and be motivated yep I'm excited about it but I did buy the trip insurance or the insurance on like our uh, race entry because shin splints <laughs> so like in case you have to cancel yeah like it covers injury and I was like well since I'm so prone to injury this would be a good idea so oh. Gotcha. Which it would make me really sad if I couldn't run it because this is like my mom's favorite half marathon. So I'm really excited too because we are the race is going to be in Moab, which is where Arches National Park is. And we've talked about that place on our podcast. But this is not the Arches half marathon. It's like on the other side of Moab. There's a there's another side of Moab? Yeah, like you know, when you're like driving through the highway like into town and then there's like the town is like okay, like if you're driving south, like the town is on your right. It's on the other side of the town, like in that canyon on the other side. Wait, walk me through that one more time. <laughs> so we're driving south where like all the traffic was. Yes. You pass arches. You pass arches and you are in Moab. And like there's a little bit of the town like on your left, but like not very much. Most of it's like on your right side, right? Okay. Okay, on the other side of town, there's like the red cliffs, right? And there's a canyon, and it's in that canyon. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I I've never even been over there. I don't think I have either. But then again, like most of the times I went to Moab, I was like really young, and I only remember bringing home a cat. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> we did. We brought home a cat once. Was it Sammy? Nope. Yep. Gotcha. I remember you telling me the story. Mm-hmm fittingly enough funny enough whichever of those uh (laughs) phrases uh fits what i'm trying to say we're going to be talking about moab a little bit in this episode as well because we drove through it to get to the place where we went yeah we did which was cortez colorado gonna try turning your mic maybe a little bit down or maybe it's just because you're like sighing really heavily into the mic (sighs) i don't know i'll try maybe it's not too big a deal. If I start to notice it a little bit more, I'll see what we do. Okay. But yeah, that's uh, what our episode is going to be about, is we took a trip to Colorado. Say Colorado. I'm a giraffe. (laughs) I have to admit, this is one that has been on my bucket list for a really long time. Basically since like elementary school. Um, There's like a year in Utah where you do like Utah studies. And since... Like, basically, Utah's entire history is Native Americans and pioneers. You learn a lot about the Native Americans. And so um, I remember them talking about, like, how there were cliff dwellings. Like, there were um, Native people that lived in cliff dwellings and stuff. And how Mesa Verde was one of those places that you could see that. And I thought that was so cool. And I was like, I want to go there. And so, um, like, this national park has been on my bucket list for a long time now. And so, I was really excited to go. Yeah, and it's only, it was only five hours from our house. So, it was, like, not that bad of a, not that bad of a a drive. Uh, And it's, I think it's funny that Colorado is, like, a neighboring state and... I've never been to it before. I've been to the other states that like border Utah, 
at least once. Like I've been to Idaho multiple times. I've been to my Wyoming multiple times. Um, I've been to Nevada multiple times and I hadn't actually been to Arizona, uh, except for when you're driving to Vegas from Utah, you drive through like the very top left corner, like briefly. That doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you didn't stop like, and at least get food or something, definitely doesn't. Well, count. there's no food to stop and get on that yeah, section like of Arizona. Middle, like a canyon. going. Yeah. There's no reception or anything. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't been to Arizona until we got married and we went to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. I think that was like my first like real time in Arizona too. Like I'd been to the Four Corners. Um and I'd driven through Arizona to get to like Texas, but that was it. My I I honestly can't believe I hadn't been to Arizona because my um my cousins moved out there. Uh it's been several years now and I just never had the chance to like go out there to visit them because they used to live in Vegas. And when they were in Vegas, we'd go visit them every year, it seems like. But then since they went to Arizona, I never had, I've never had the chance to go out there. Part of it's because I moved to New York. Um, and then since coming back, we got married. So, yeah. Yeah. But you, like, as far as Colorado goes, you've driven through Colorado. Several times. Every summer, like my entire life, basically. <laughs> we have family in Texas, so we drive out there a lot. We usually take the route through Cortez and Durango. Durango's really pretty. I also played a jazz festival in Telluride when I was a sophomore in high school. And so I spent a few days in Telluride, Colorado as well. And that was a lot of fun. Do you know how to like turn off the screen timeout on your phone? I'm like um settings. Okay, okay. Oh, I think I found it. Ah, oh, dang it! I like. I don't think I can turn it off. I think I can just set it to the maximum, which is ten minutes, which is what it already was set at. Because I'm just getting annoyed. Because we have our like our show notes on our phone, and it gets annoying when I'm like talking to you, and then I look down at my phone is like timed out. Just keep touching it. Just keep touching it. Just keep touching it. <laughs> I bet you were glad uh, making that road trip uh, going through Cortez and we stopped and we didn't have another 13 more hours to drive. Oh, yeah. Well, it was more like 15. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's 20 hours, I think, to Fort Worth if you don't stop at all. Like, no bathroom breaks, no nothing. You got to wear a diaper, but we don't do that. <laughs> We're not weirdos. We stop for bathroom breaks. So. Um, and we usually stop in Albuquerque and stay the night, too. Oh. So I don't even really remember when we planned this trip because there was just... How long ago was it that we like planned it in advance? A couple months ago. I think this might have been one of the ones that I booked while you were at work or while I was at work. Yeah, there was... And I just kind of did without your permission and then was like, hey, hope you're cool with this. Yeah. <laughs> hope uh, you're cool that I just spent this money. Because <laughs> uh, we... there was Yeah, there was just like a, a period of a couple days or a couple weeks or, or something when you just like started throwing trip after trip at me. You're like, why don't we go here in May and, we'll, and we're going to Hawaii in June and we'll go this place in July. And like, I'm still like, I know we have trips coming up 
but I still like I haven't written them down. And so it's like I know we have something place in July. I think Texas. We have Texas in July. Right, we're going to Texas in July. August, we are going to Red Cliffs, a Red Canyon, Flaming Red Canyon. Gorge. By okay, and we're also thinking about going to Park City for our uh, first. I almost said honeymoon, but our first anniversary. <laughs> Same though. August. And then in November, we're going to Moab. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, back when you were first planning this trip, what like made you decide to plan? I guess, I don't know, like what, besides it being on your bucket list? Um, I think I just had an extra chunk of change burning a hole in our pockets. <laughs> And I was like, well, I guess we got to go somewhere. <laughs> and so I was like thinking about places that we can go that are like close to our apartment so that we could do like a good weekend trip. And that's when I came up with, um, that's when I came up with this. Sorry. My brain is fried. My head is very lightheaded right now and it feels like. My head is, like, constantly falling. Like, you know that feeling in your brain when it, like, you, like, are falling? Yeah. Yeah. It's been doing that for, like, the last 24 hours. Like, even this morning was it doing that? Yeah. Oh, I thought this morning you were feeling better. Not really. <laughs> Man, you had to, like, do a whole, like, work day feeling that way. Yeah, well, I did a whole work day, like, basically with flu symptoms because I got my COVID shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, you... Got hit hard by the side effects, and I like got nothing. Like, I couldn't have even. I was like peeking under the band aid. Like, are you sure they poked me? Because I was like not feeling anything. And like, my arm was so sore, and my body hurt. Like, even like just the air conditioning, like going over my skin, hurt so bad. <laughs> I was. I felt so bad for you. <laughs> I like would try to cuddle you, and you're just like, "Ow!" <laughs> yeah, like every time you touch me, it just hurt. But oh, and I had a really bad headache too. Like that, that was bad. But I made it through work, and I would get the COVID shot again if I had to, because I, it was 100% worth it. So I'll step off my soapbox now. <laughs> Um, I don't know that I had ever heard of Mesa Verde National Park pretty much until we got there. Like, I, I wasn't even really sure what to expect. I think somewhere in the back of my brain, I remember you telling me there were um, ruins of, like, ancient settlement or, like, res residence or whatever. But, like, I had kind of maybe glazed over that fact as you're telling it to me. Um, and, like... Growing up, I think I have a vague idea of like people called Anasazi that lived on the side of cliffs, and I wasn't sure if these were the same people or not. And we did learn more about like um, that kind of stuff that like hopefully we can like talk a little bit about in this episode. But we also have um, a kind of cool idea in mind that maybe we can get. Um, maybe we'll. we'll end up recording a bonus episode but we might be getting like a surprise guest on to like help us talk more about um the indigenous people that lived in the area yeah because i don't think two white people talking about native americans is the best <laughs> yeah honestly like it was we learned so much on the trip 
And the whole time we were like, oh, like we should really like do our research and uh, try to like do this culture justice on our episode. And then the more and more we like wanted to like talk about it, we and and the more we talked to each other about it, we realized that like one, there's no way that we could accurately uh, portray the information um, to like our satisfaction, probably the satisfaction of of our listeners, but also just that it wouldn't really be appropriate for two white people to like talk about the, um, about a completely different culture that we really have no, no knowledge about other than we went and looked at, um, some sites like historic sites. And the very basic knowledge we had taught to us by other white people in school. (laughs) So, um, we did learn a little bit though, that I would just like to touch on um so the three places that we ended up seeing while we were out there were mesa verde national park um canyons of the ancient national monument i didn't say canyon lands this time <laughs> and Hovenweep national monument and um this area it's around the four corners area in utah and colorado and um the people that inhabited most of the structures that we saw left behind were um, ancient Puebloans. Like ancestral? Pueblo. Yes, ancestral Puebloans. Sorry, yeah. I am already butchering it. <laughs> but um, they were, like for those of you who are our age and remember growing up hearing about the Anasazi people, um, those are, like that is this people, um, but they don't like the term Anasazi because that's actually a Navajo word for ancient enemies. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't enjoy that. (laughs) So I can definitely see where they're coming from. But um, today there are still lots of, they're called ancestral Puebloans because they are the ancestors to the modern day Puebloan tribes, which include the Hopi and some others yeah why don't we just look it up just so we can um um, make sure we are accurate so these people just like a brief you know cliff notes synopsis of the inhabitants of this area it seemed like most of the dwellings that we were able to see were constructed anytime between like six or seven hundred a.d to 12 to 1300 a.d and that pretty much after 1300 AD, there were no people living there because around that time, they all migrated south. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know that if it's clear. Um, I haven't done a lot of research if they, if anyone really has any guesses as to, as to why. But there are... Actually, one of the guesses um, based on pollen counts that they did was that there just was less vegetation and it was kind of a sparse... Um, a sparser time period for the area, and so they all moved out for vegetation and game and stuff. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's fine. Um, let me... I think, sorry, to add on what you were saying about, like, the dwelling, so um, it's cool because, like, especially in Mesa Verde, you can see the progression of the dwellings, and, like, oh, yeah, at the sure. beginning, around 600, they were living in, like, those pit houses that were dug they were living in pit houses i shouldn't say those pit houses <laughs> they were living in pit houses and they were dug um a little bit into the ground but then they kind of like built the mud up on top 
And from there, you know, there were a few things in between, but it wasn't until like 12, 11, 1200 that they started um, living in the cliff, cliff dwellings, which is what Mesa Verde is famous for, especially Cliff Palace. Yeah. So the descendants, according to um, Britannica, that's probably a... <laughs> Encyclopedia Britannica? Yeah. That's yeah, a, that's a good source. Mm. says the descendants of the ancestral Pueblo compromise the modern Pueblo tribes, which include, oops, excuse me, the Hopi, Zuni, Acoma, and Laguna tribes. And I think um, most of those tribes are located in Arizona, New Mexico. A few in Texas. I think a little bit in Colorado, maybe. But primarily Arizona and New Mexico. Yeah. And, uh, but we, after we got back from our trip, um, I got in contact with some folks at the the Hopi Foundation, which um, is a nonprofit organization meant to, um, you know, let me just pull it up. It's so the Hopi Foundation is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to help people help themselves, and they um, want to ensure that the voice of the Hopi people is not vanquished and that it can find expression in the contemporary world. And so we both felt very strongly that we wanted to get involved maybe in, you know, doing what we can since we enjoyed the, the national park and the historic sites, do whatever little we can to help preserve those sites, but also to help um, the, the modern communities who, who benefit from the, the legacy of their, those ancestors. Um, and I know a lot of those um, communities are, have been struggling a lot during the pandemic. And so uh, we reached out to them and we're currently kind of in an, in an email um, back and forth right now. But hopefully we can um, figure something out and uh, let you as our listeners know how you can get involved. Um, and then also hopefully we can um, get a guest on the on the podcast and have them explain a little bit more about these people that w- that live in the area and the history of of their um their culture yes we are really excited about that because i don't think we could ever do these cultures justice um you know our the native americans have a really uh rich and long history here and they have really a cool culture that i just um you know i know a little bit about but I, I don't know a lot and I want to know more. And so, yeah, especially like considering that we live in a state that's named after a native American tribe tribe (laughs) that like lived in this area. Like we know very, very little about the people that were here before, uh, basically before the Mormon pioneers came. Like you go, you learn in Utah history and it's only Utah white history. Uh, yes and no. I mean, mean, it's like there's a lot of Native American stuff, but it's told through white eyes, I'd say. Like, yeah, through the perspective of like the educators, like, and I don't know how much of an influence like the Native American tribal leaders and stuff have had um, on our education, like on the curriculum. But gotcha. Well, I mean, they did teach us that like the ancestral Puebloans were called Anasazi and 
we learned that that is not correct. So, yeah. Well, um, what am I trying to say? Just that we, when we got married, we bought a National Parks annual pass. And um, 11 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. Um, and we've so far got probably twice our money's worth. It was $80. And usually to drive into a national park, it's like $30 per vehicle. Per day. Per day. And we have taken it to uh, a ton of national parks so far. Yeah. Um, and we will be taking it to a ton more. And we will be buying another one come August. <laughs> and so I think that's probably um, where maybe the genesis of this trip came from was looking up national parks that we could take this pass to that were within like a decent radius of us that we could make it a like a quick trip uh because we're kind of at a point right now where we are limited to road trips because flights are expensive and we are poor poor (laughs) we are poor (laughs) yeah plus like even if we did fly we're under 25 so it would like either we can't rent a car or it would just cost us more mm-hmm. so yeah but um i was really excited that we got to take this trip and it was it was an adventure <laughs> it was uh the last the last time that we took a trip was actually when we went to the grand canyon which was in november yeah and so and we had we had originally intended to go to a different national park in Utah in February, but uh, that was around the time that I ended up quitting my other job and I withdrew from a couple classes in the semester and we kind of talked about it and we decided to cancel that trip and then it wasn't until May that we got around to taking another trip. So it ended up being a while and we both decided like that's too long. Like when it's just the two of us and it's so easy and there's so many places close by that we can go to, like six months is too long to go without a trip. And uh, that being said, we have at least one trip planned per month, like pretty much through November now. <laughs> yeah. Chat with the law. Hmm. Yeah. I was, I was just going to also say that when we were in uh, back in November, when we that that Grand Canyon trip on the way back, we stopped at a different uh, national monument, and it was there that we bought a passport, like a national parks passport that you can take to any of the places to get stamped, like passport cancellations, to kind of like document, like oh here's all the national parks we went to, and so we were really excited to take that. And on on the drive down, like we had just pulled out of our uh, apartment, we were like getting on the freeway driving and we had the idea like oh what if we bought a polaroid camera and that way we wouldn't have to like try to develop wallet sized photos or anything um to try to put little photos of ourselves in the this passport next to the places that we visit and like what if we buy a polaroid cuz th- those will be about the same size as these little squares that we could take photos in and it would just be easier Turns out it's a lot harder to take a selfie with a Polaroid. <laughs> We're gonna ha- we'll have to share some of the outtakes <laughs> on our Instagram story. Sure. But uh, we took about like ten to fifteen photos to get three. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but that ended up being a pretty cool idea. Um, even though it is hard to take a selfie with a Polaroid, we kind of 
figured things out and um we got some cool pictures so well i was just gonna say that we like i thought of the idea why don't we just get a polaroid and i was thinking like for future reference maybe on our next trip and then you were just like well i pulled up walmart has some so we like took the freeway exit stopped at walmart before we even like went through the canyon bought a polaroid and so we ended up taking it on the trip yep and it was fun yeah and of course when we stopped in price on the way down to get food you had to text mel and just mention to her that we were in price and you both had to like throw up in your mouth a little bit because there's you can't drive through price without sydney having to tell mel that they're going through price i did on the way back I did. I didn't say anything to Mel until we were up at my parents' house. And I was like, Josh said that I can drive through Price without saying something to Mel. And I did. I did it. <laughs> nice. We, me and my sister are not fans of that area of Utah. There are other places that we would rather live, to put it delicately. Well, I just, I just think it's funny that like driving all the way to Texas like price isn't that far away like yeah it's like one of those like small towns but it's just like funny that you guys have latched onto like that place being the worst on the drive oh no that's not the worst place on the drive and we have not latched on (laughs) somewhere in disdain for those two places new mexico well new mexico in general we're just i'm just not a fan of the state or the entire west half of the state of texas new mexico listeners she didn't mean it (laughs) I'm not sure that we have had any listeners from New Mexico yet, but if you, like, once this podcast blows up and we have listeners all over the world, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, undoubtedly, at some point in the future, there will be someone from New Mexico listening to this. I don't know. And maybe I just, like, haven't been to the right parts of New Mexico, because, like, we only ever, like, drive through Albuquerque and, like, but the parts that I have seen just have not made me want to stay there longer. So, and the entire western half of the state of Texas. Just, like, Lubbock. All right. Not a fan. So we ended up stopping at Walmart, and then we stopped at Price to get food. And then we hit the worst traffic in Moab, where it was There's always traffic in Moab. Yeah, it was surprising, because when we we went to um, Arches, which is in Moab, last... October, I believe. And back then it was still like construction traffic and so I was hoping that it would be done but it wasn't done yet and It's a chronic problem. And it uh but we hit stop and go traffic for like an hour. So Which it added an extra hour to our trip before we got through it. It's so crazy because Moab is not a big town and it is in the middle of nowhere. Like, I mean, like, yes, like, Arches is there, and Canyonlands is, like, a 40-minute drive, but, like, besides Moab, there are no other towns, really, and it's got, like, worse traffic than Salt Lake City and rush hours, so... But, and it's weird, because it's basically just in one direction. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you're driving south, and it's stop and go, backed up, it takes an hour to get through, but when you come back going north through the same area on the same road that you can make it all the way through the town and then it's just through like the one intersection that you're stopped back maybe like l- not even a quarter of a mile <laughs> and you like zoom past the traffic on the other side yep 
which like definitely was nice on the on the return trip but yeah i think you and i have gotten to become pros of setting up the tent in the dark yeah i was just about <laughs> to say like because of all of those uh um not departures delays <laughs> detours not really a detour but like because of those delays um at, at those places we ended up getting there like 2 hours later than we like anticipated and it was already dark which is the third time that that's happened to us basically yeah then we've gone to our campsite in the dark but luckily we are we are so pros quick. we are pros yeah also that tent's really easy to set up yeah the tent that we got on our wedding registry yeah it's awesome yeah but we so we spent a couple of days there and the first day um we decided to go to canyon of the ancients and hoven weep so we didn't even go to mesa for a day because it was raining like oh yeah that's right it like we got there and the weather was like rain and snow through the night and then like raining like pretty much really cloudy and raining the first half of the day yeah and so we were like well if we drive towards utah hopefully we'll like get away from the weather and for the most part we did um but um turns out uh canyon of the ancients has much rougher road than we were anticipating in our honda civic (laughs) yeah like we we drive back on the highway back towards utah um probably like 20 minutes half an hour away from cortez where our campsite was and then sid goes okay just like turn off here and then just go straight for a while i'm like okay and then all of a sudden it turns into like a gravel road and we're going like up and down hills and we're passing through farms and all of a sudden the gravel road turns into like an even worse gravel road mm. and then we like start turning like i thought we were lost for sure but then we got to lowry pueblo and that was super dope yeah, there was like this, um, uh, it was called Lowry Pueblo, and it was this huge, Pueblo. like, ancient building that had, like, more than 40 rooms, and at some points, it was, like, two, you could see that it had been at least two or three stories tall, and it was, like, yeah, it was really cool. And this one was not in the cliff. Yeah, it wasn't in the cliff. It also had what's called a kiva. Um, it's, like, a... I don't know how to describe it, like a big round um, room, kind of, and it was kind of like in the ground a little bit, Um, and according to the plaque at the monument, these were places that were traditionally used for uh, gatherings that um, people from all over the area, like pretty far away for you know people who have to walk like this was like a cultural gathering area for people and they would come from all over um to probably (laughs) to this like kiva there are like several of there are several kivas in the four corners region um but that like there was trading and there was interaction going on between these people which i think was super cool and so we got to see that I think these are, like, really special um, places, and I think, like, there's definitely, like, just, like, a spirit of reverence, um, like, at these areas that's super cool. Um, You're talking about spirit of reverence while I'm chewing mandarin oranges into the microphone? (laughs) 
yes I am um but like the uh, some of these sites that we went and saw were like religious and had special meaning um to these people and I think I could correct me if I'm wrong but I think like the Kiva like the great Kiva was one of them too that that was like a religious um I think it could center for them I I think most of the um those sites just because there's like no one's been living there for so long that they don't really have any idea for sure yeah. but um they've had modern um pueblo uh like archaeologists come and check them out and like they've given their best educated guesses and so yeah it's like i think they're as far as they know it was probably either a ceremonial gathering place or a religious uh site or even like a cultural recreation kind of uh place yeah so anyways we got to see that and it was super cool and then we took the drive out to Painted Hand Pueblo. And let me tell y'all, if you have not been there, do not take your Honda Civic. <laughs> so both of these Pueblos are in Canyon of the Ancients National Monument. So I thought, not having looked at the map, not having prepared for this trip at all, only trusting my gorgeous wife to like tell me where to go and what we were doing and what was on the agenda like i was thinking okay we're going to go and we're going to enter a park and it'll be like uh canyon of the ancients and that in this park there will be like two plate like basically you, you go to any other national park like you have the entrance where the little ranger station is and then you go on the road and you can drive around the whole park to like all these different areas but that was not what canyon of the ancients was because it was just these like sites just like randomly around like isolated sites between people's farms basically <laughs> and um i learned the hard way on this trip that not all roads on that are marked on google maps are created equal <laughs> so i was like i see like canyon or the painted hand pueblo on google maps and it's like there is a thousand year old handprint on this pueblo and i was like oh my gosh that is so cool we gotta go see this and i see this road that goes right there well i didn't see that the road was like basically off-roading so well i don't think it was marked at all it was just we're driving already on like like a gravel road that like hopefully my dad's not listening to this and <laughs> Maybe don't send the link to your family this week. <laughs> I think my dad, like, because my dad's a truck driver, and, like, he likes to listen to, to audiobooks and podcasts and stuff while he's driving. So I'm pretty sure, like, even if I didn't send the link to him, he would probably, like, listen to it once it pops up on Spotify. Rip. Oh, well, Dad, you know I love you, and you know I appreciate, because the car that we're driving right now, like, was his car, um, and he, like, gave it to us when I moved back from New York. And so, like, just, Dad, know that we appreciate the car and we're, like, trying to take care of it. For the most part, we're pretty good about taking care of it. It's just... When we, like, end up on roads that we didn't know were there. So, like, already it was, like, this gravel road. That, well, like, I knew it was there. I just didn't know it was, like... No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. That, like, already 
we were on a gravel road that like the Civic like probably shouldn't have been on. And then we like we see Sid says, Okay, turn here and we turn off of the gravel road and there's like a sign that says like private property and another like weird trail map posted but nothing marked canyon of the ancients or anything well the trail map is marked canyon of the ancients <laughs> okay but i didn't see it like oh, okay um and so for for a second we thought like that we were in the wrong place and we were gonna like drive back onto the road and sid jumped out and looked at the map and so we decided to like keep driving and it was like it was just mud like a paved mud road and you could you could see that like since it had been raining that like cars had like pushed the mud like really deep and like it was up and then it had dried that way super deep like tra- tracks yeah <laughs> and so we were trying to like drive around them and not like have the car like dip into like these huge trenches and then as we're driving over the mud all of a sudden it turns to very rocky and like keep in mind there was no signs posted about like the conditions of the road like further in or anything but it starts getting really rocky and so we're like trying to like not like bottom out or anything on the rocks and then we get to we eventually like make it it was probably what like half a mile from the main road and we get to the trailhead for Painted Hand Pueblo. And we get out and we like do the hike and go see it. When we come back, Sid says this uh, road should be a loop. So if you keep going, we should end up back on the main road instead of coming back the way that we had come to the trailhead. If we just kept going around, it should be a loop. Yeah, because we were trying to get farther down the road because we were trying to get to Hoven weep and also we were running low on gas and so <laughs> and there's there's nothing out there and so I was like if we don't like there's nothing between Cortez and Hoven weep and so I was like we've got to get to Hoven weep and we've got to get back to Cortez on like the quarter tank of gas that we have <laughs> and so I was like maybe we'll save gas if we just go around this loop so I start going and it gets really rocky and the like it's basically like boulders coming up out of the ground in the road there's like no like clear like path for the car to go and we were kind of stuck there was no way like to go like flip around and go back so we just keep going forward and it was scary like we're like bumping the bottom of the car over the rocks oh it just makes me cringe Okay, just thinking about it. You're just gonna want to like skip, maybe skip like the next two like minutes. two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, probably drove another half mile, and then we, um, because there was another trailhead or another pueblo over there. I think it was called like ruins. Or I don't remember. Um, but we we end up at this place, and there was no exit, like nowhere to go back to the road we got over there and there's a parking lot for these trails um and the trails would probably take us back to the road but the trails were clearly marked high clearance vehicles only and we were dumbfounded why they wouldn't put those signs on the main road yeah and so (laughs) so we had to turn around and drive that all the way over again to get back to the the road and so Sid took a video of us 
trying to uh, basically off-road over these boulders in a Honda Civic to get back out of the out of the canyon of the ancients. But we made it, and to our knowledge, all we got were some minor scratches. So I don't even think we got scratches. Oh, really? Well, I didn't look. I didn't want to see. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yes. And we did make it back to Cortez. We did. We did. We hit Hovenweep. We took a nice little walk there and saw some of the sites. There's like this cool loop that's got a bunch of sites. And so we saw a couple of those and we made it all the way back safely to Cortez. Well, not not just, I wasn't going to say safely because like we weren't really in any danger. It was just we made it back like with gas. Yes. Like our gas uh, lasted us. It did. But like one really funny thing is that um, we were... Like we went to Hoven Weep and we did a little hike and we took some pictures. Um, and as we were leaving, uh, we passed a sign that uh, pointed to Blanding, Utah, which is just another kind of small town. Because uh, this this monument that we were on was kind of on the border of Colorado and Utah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if we drove 40 miles one way, which is kind of the opposite way where we were going, it was to this town called Blanding. And I told my I told Sydney, like, oh, my mom, like, at some point is, like, going to be taking a trip to Blanding. And she was like, when? And I was like, oh, uh, I don't know, probably some point this summer. And then, like, later that night, I, like, was texting my mom pictures of the day of us at Canyon of the Ancients in Hovenweep. And my mom responds. She's like, so, funny enough, uh, here's pictures of us at Hovenweep yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) We had no idea. I had no idea that my mom was even, like, there and they had just driven down and were in the exact same area as us like not even 24 hours before so it was just like i wish that we had communicated something so we could have met up with them but yeah it was a missed opportunity but we just didn't think about it so the next day was mesa verde and we were so excited to hit the park that we woke up at two in the afternoon (laughs) We were so excited to get up at the butt crack of dawn Which is, that we slept in. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I had had um, something that I had stayed up late for the night before. And so it was just good to be able to sleep in. And to be honest, like by the time we got, when the time, wow, words, when we were at Mesa Verde, there wasn't very much that was open um, due to seasonal closures, COVID closures, um, so really, there was like there's two mesas in Mesa Verde, and only one of the mesas was open, and all of the tours and stuff like weren't happening. Oh, this Martinelli's was a mistake. I keep on like burping, <laughs> but um, it's never a mistake, babe. Um, I think we differ on those points, but um, there's really only one like cliff dwelling that we could go to up close, and even that was like closed, so we couldn't go in it. Um, but I think even though we woke up super late, we still got to see everything that we wanted to see that was open. And, um, it was like the perfect amount of time. Plus it it was still raining in the morning. Yeah, that's right. So, I keep on forgetting how bad the weather was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we, um, by the time we woke up, it was almost like cleared up. It was still a little bit cloudy, but like the forecast was that like, by early evening or like late afternoon early evening it should be like clear skies 
and um, we did get caught in the rain a little bit on one of the hikes that we did up there. But like by the end of the hike, it was sunny, warming up. So okay, but that was perfect though. Let me tell you about this hike because this is the dopest hike I've ever been on. It was Petroglyph Point, and it was right basically underneath what was called the Spruce Treehouse. But like we, you like go down into the path, and it like you can go up to the Spruce Treehouse. Like you split, you can go up to the Spruce Treehouse, or you can go like sideways to Petroglyph Point. And since Spruce Treehouse was closed, we were like, well, I guess we'll go on this hike. And it goes on the side of the mesa. Um, So you're kind of hiking. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the cliff dwellings, but it's usually in like this natural inclusion in the rock where it erodes out like kind of these ridges. So it's really easy for like a person to be there. And so we're walking like through like these ridges because that's just the way that uh, the Meso is geologically formed. And so we're walking like in between rocks and under ridges. And while we're like under these ridges, it's raining outside and we're caught in the rain, like kind of in this like mini cave almost um, in the rock on the trail. And it was so cool. Yeah, it was cool that the hike, like, because we were on top of this mesa and the hike went down basically the cliff face and then like in the canyon. So we're like partway down the cliff hiking sideways through these like caves and like bolt like boulders yeah it was awesome and we ended up seeing these petroglyphs and then at the end we like hiked back up to the top and then like walked across but it ended up being like a two mile hike and one of the my favorite hikes that i've done with you oh for sure that one of my favorite hikes that i've done period that and the weather was so perfect too like while we're walking through like those cave well I don't want to call them caves because they're not, like, really caves, you know? But, like, they're, like, those inclusions. When we're, like, walking through those, like, it's raining. And then once we, like, got to the petroglyphs, it, like, stopped. And then we climbed up to the top of the mesa and and it was, like, sunny from there. And it was so cool. And we came back around and you saw that vulture. and Yeah. So we came back around and, like, uh, like, the visitor center, gift shop, museum, everything was closed. And there was, like, really, there was no one in the park. Like, we ran into, like, a couple other cars while we were there. And we saw, like, a couple other people. But, like, for the most part, we were the only people there. Like, it was, like, the least crowded I've ever seen any national park that we've been to. Mm-hmm. And, um, but we wanted to, like, go back over to Spruce Treehouse, which was one of these, like, really, really big cliff dwellings where they had built, like, kind of how Sid was saying, this, uh, I... I I honestly yeah I don't know what the word for it is. It's but, so hard to describe, uh, isn't it? You know what? I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> it's like basically like picture the side of a cliff and then just this like little like wedge shape almost inside of it, and people like built the cliff dwellings inside those like wedge shapes, and so it comes basically with like a sidewall, a roof, and a floor. All you have to do is build a couple more walls. Like really, these people were like brilliant yeah didn't they won like a or like they were awarded a like civil engineering award weren't they or something i like the um national or international civil engineers um association awarded the ancestral pueblo people 
with an award or recognition of outstanding engineering uh, legacy or accomplishment for their water storage and water like um, something to do with like how they stored and like transported like their water. I mean, if you really get into like the architecture of these cliff cliff dwellings and stuff, I think you start to realize like how smart these people were that built them and just how much of like a feat of engineering these were those cliff dwellings were and um oh it's called an alcove oh duh <laughs> we're dumb <laughs> yeah anyway after the like hike and we were walking back over to the parking lot where our car was we wanted to go back over to kind of this overlook across like on the other side of the canyon from spruce treehouse so that we could get a picture with our, you know, handy dandy Polaroid selfie taker <laughs> in our passport book. And two out of ten would not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took good pictures and the pictures fit perfectly in the passport like we intended. It was just so hard to like get both of us in frame and the background that we like were trying to get a picture of in frame. And make sure that we were not covering <laughs> the background. <laughs> oh man. But anyways, yeah, it was super cool that while we were there, you could see the really, really big um, structure that looked like a basically a castle built into the cliff. Oh, my gosh. And then also along the cliff, hundreds of yards in the other direction, there were these little structures that were built like up on the cliff face that looked like little kind of like little cabins or little like pantries. Or yeah. Like... Maybe those were where they stored food. But, like, I saw, like, this, like, as we were coming around, I saw something really big and black. And I was like, is there, like, a rock climber or something up, up there? Like, a backpack? But as we came around, it, like, lifted out its wings. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a huge vulture. And it was, like, it was this huge bird. And that was the first time I'd ever seen, like, an actual vulture. It's like, oh, that's, like, not just, like, a mythical animal. Those are real things. And then another one flew in. And so there was two of them over there. And. It's scary. They were probably waiting for like us as we were hiking underneath them to die so they could come and eat us, <laughs> which almost happened. We were like halfway through the hike, and we weren't sure if this hike was going to be a loop or if it was going to be like a there or back thing. And Sid started to like feel really lightheaded and a little bit sick, and I was like panicking. I was like, I have no service. There are no rangers up here. The first aid station back at the top is closed. I'm like, if she dies, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to like just leave her. I'm like, well, that's it. That's the end of Sid. <laughs> And the vultures would have had me. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a good day for them. So. Yeah, I guess if I can, if I can bring joy to some of God's creatures, I guess my death would have been a success. Yeah, luckily though, we we made it out alive. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got to see a ton of other really cool, like archaeological sites. Kind of how Sid was saying how, five hundred years before these like dwellings on the sides of the cliffs were built they would dig um, pits on the top of the mesa and at like they would build pits just like small ones and then several hundred years later they would build like a series of pits to like have like these whole tribes or communities live together like a neighborhood of like these pit houses and then it was like several hundred years after that when they would start to build these like palaces in the alcoves like underneath the side of the cliff which was just incredible. And so um, the big one that like Sid was talking about was called Cliff Palace. 
And what was really cool is that they said that it was likely that it, like it was it could have been like a government like a governing site for communities that lived all over the four corners region in Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico. Which is so cool that just like I mean think about the amount of time it takes to walk from like Chaco Canyon, which is another um prominent Native American area. Like Chaco Canyon, New Mexico to Mesa Verde, Colorado. I mean, that is quite the walk, and that takes a lot of time. And trade was prominent among these people, and gatherings were prominent. And that is just, like, so mind-blowing and awesome to me. Yeah. It was also really cool how there was, like, another one. I forgot what it's called, like, but over by the Cliff Palace, and how they were able to tell from the site that there were no archaeological signs of people living there or working there or anything and because of that they're able to infer that it was probably uh purely recreation that they would come and probably do dances and festivals and things and that people would gather from all over in that place and that next to it there was a place that had a lot of signs of residence and so it was oh was that the fire temple i think that's what it was called and that they um hypothesized that these kind of small really small structures next to this really big one were the homes of like caretakers for this place and they were like the hosts of these large um festivities and so that was really cool that they were able to kind of like piece together these clues to just have a guess at what life was like and what what was happening in these places hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago yeah i mean it's just if you haven't been to mesa verde or just like seen any of these um Native American sites. It is a truly humbling experience. It is so cool. Um, I mean, I feel like um, I learned so much. Um, gained a whole new level of respect for um, the people there because it was, I mean, incredible. It was amazing. And, like, Cliff Palace, guys, I mean, there's a reason why they call it Cliff Palace. It's huge. Yeah. And I'm just so sad that we couldn't take tours that day because you know cliff palace is one of those that you can go like in a ranger guided tour um you know in normal situation um so i guess i guess we have to go back (laughs) dang it (laughs) it was an incredible experience and i'm so glad that we got to go we did have one last adventure in the park the nacho adventure yes um because what would an adventure with me be without some sort of ghetto improvisation so <laughs> that's what jazz musicians are, are best for <laughs> improvisation except i always sucked at improv but that's i guess that's my fault because i never practiced improv <laughs> well we <laughs> uh, everywhere like again everywhere on top of this mesa was closed and even like the drinking fountains outside the restrooms were like uh like covered and or and the water was turned off and these areas were like a 40-minute drive from the entrance to the park because you have to drive all the way across the top of the cliff and then you have to drive down the cliff to get to the the highway. And then from there, it's another 10 minutes into town. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but and we didn't pack water into the park. We, we, well, we didn't bring extra water because we were thinking we could fill water up at like 
usually like these places have water at like trailheads and stuff. They didn't. And I drank it before we even started the hike. <laughs> yeah. And so s- s- we had brought our telescope um, with the intention because uh, Mesa Verde, before we, pretty much right before we went on a trip, became the 100th dark sky park. And so we were really excited to take the telescope and try it out at a dark sky park because we hadn't actually done that before. And this night. Yeah, we had. Arch is the dark sky. But we didn't take the telescope. Oh, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting. And Wednesday, I think this was Wednesday night, and it was going to be the only night that we were there with no clouds. It was going to be clear skies. But, like, it was already, like, getting pretty late, and the sun was going down, and we're really good at putting the tent up in the dark, but putting the telescope in the dark is really hard because you have to, one, assemble it, two, you have to uh, align the, the viewfinder, and two, you have to use a laser to adjust the mirrors inside the telescope to align them into the eyepiece so that you can get like a crystal clear image and all those steps is really hard to do in the dark and but we needed water because Sid was getting dehydrated and also it was getting really really cold and I didn't have I totally forgot to bring a hoodie or anything for the trip so we like rush all the way across the mesa and down to hit the gas station that's right on the other side of the highway and it was closed it just like looked abandoned so we had to drive all the way back into town to get water and then we had to find a store that would sell hoodies in basically like beginning of summer (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then we drove all the way back to the park all the way back up the cliff and over and we found this um what's it called like a a pull-off yeah like a view viewpoint viewpoint there we go. Yeah. That like uh was good because there was no cliffs like around us. It was basically on the top and we like had like a three hundred sixty de- degree three hundred sixty degree view of the skies. And we got the telescope set up and everything, but it started getting cold really fast and it also started getting very windy. Yeah. And so while you're setting up the telescope, I was making nachos and we had this little like it's it's not a camping stove. It's made for like Chinese hot pot and it's pretty dinky. And um, I kept turning it on and the wind would blow out the flame. So I had to go on the side of the car by the road and put the burner right next to the tire like so that the wind wouldn't blow it out. And then I had to sit in the road and hold the nachos over the burner so the nachos wouldn't burn. And I sat there for like, 20, 25 minutes holding the nachos, and they never melted. <laughs> I felt so bad. At least you, like, got to be by the fire. And so, like, you told me, like, you weren't, like, super cold, like, while you were by the flame. But, like, I was, like, out, and I was, like, trying to, like, fiddle with things. And I got everything, like, working. And it got dark enough. And so I, like, uh, brought, like, one thing that I wanted to try to find was, like, a nebula in a telescope. Because I hadn't like looked at one of those before, so I pointed the telescope at Orion, like where Orion's nebula should be, like in the Orion constellation, and I looked in the telescope, and sure enough, there was like this cloudy, fuzzy, uh, thing that was like bigger than a star, but not a star, and I was just like, well, I guess that's it. And I don't know, did you come look at it? I did, but it was hard to see with the wind knocking the telescope. Yeah, that was the other thing. Is <laughs> with the wind blowing, you're like looking through the telescope and the whole telescope is kind of shaking. So like all of these like bright lights are just like wiggling back and forth. 
in in your uh eyesight and so it's just really hard to see and then um i like i was like okay and i saw a really bright thing on the ecliptic and i was like okay that's a planet i think it's probably going to be jupiter either that or venus um i wasn't sure i didn't like check um but i like pointed the telescope at it and i looked and it's really hard to see like really bright things in the telescope especially when it's moving because then it's just like leaving streaks like in your vision um as they're moving like back and forth and i was like well i like found the uh uh this planet in the telescope but can't really see anything and it's getting really dark and so i was just like sid do you just want to take it all down and go back to camp and you're just like yes (laughs) oh yeah i was not i was not gonna hesitate yeah like i kind of felt bad about it because i was looking i was really looking forward to like being able to see a bunch of cool things uh, and taking the telescope to the dark skies for the first time. But just with how cold it was and how windy it was, we were not going to be able to like get very many good views. Babe, let me tell you, you will have plenty of opportunities to see Orion's Nebula, and it doesn't have to be on the top of a mesa when there's like 30 mile an hour cold winds blowing in your face. Okay. Uh, so we hurried and took down the telescope and we drove all the way back all the way back across the mesa all the way back down and all the way back into town and we tried to finish cooking the nachos at our campsite and we burned the bottom (laughs) it was still really hard like it ended up working a little bit better because down at the campsite there was no wind which was good and it wasn't as cold but like still like trying to cook it it burned the bottom layer of chips before the top layer even melted but like the middle layer was like perfect yeah, the lesson I learned that day was that nachos is not a camping uh, treat. <laughs> well, the campfire nachos recipe that we found like first was like for a Dutch oven, and it probably would have been so much oh, yeah. doing a Dutch oven, which my mom has a Dutch oven that she offered us. We probably should have taken it because we were just up there. Just like we should have taken the bacon bits and the gallon of ice cream from my parents. Yeah. And we forgot about that too. <laughs> mom, Dad, I'm coming back for it. <laughs> I want that gallon of ice cream. Anyways, I think that about wraps up our adventures of Mesa Verde. We didn't have any strange adventures in the KOA, but I guess we made up for that with other things. Like our adventure on the way back where we stopped at a hole in the rock. Oh, yeah. We like, I had never driven, like one, I had never been to Moab until um, I married Sydney and I had never driven past Moab, but like driving past you like drive really just past this like big sandstone cliff and like painted really huge on it. it says like hole in the rock like with an arrow like stop here i had no idea what it was and sid was like oh yeah we drive past this all the time but we never stop yeah it was like years and years of driving past hole in the rock and i was always like super curious as a kid but we never stopped and so i was like well now i call the shots and so <laughs> mom and dad aren't here to tell me no so so driving back you like slept and you just like wake me up when we get to hole in the rock yep and that's exactly what happened and it was this cute little like basically cave that people this couple back in the 30s until the 50s lived in they had like used dynamite to blast into the sandstone and they just built a home in there there was like they had a diner and they built this home in the in the back and they just kept blasting blasting 
like further back to make additional rooms. It was crazy. It was crazy. We took like a little 12 minute tour. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yep. Now I know what hole in the rock is. Now we never have to stop again. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those places that's like, it's all, it's cool, but it's not a place you're going to come back to year after year. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I think that about sums up our trip. Yeah. Good times. But like the other thing that I just kind of wanted to talk about was like the night after we got back from our trip when we went to get buns. Oh, yeah. So the cool thing about a college town is that it brings a lot of different cultures and there's a lot of different activities and stuff going on around it. And I guess BYU is one of the wider college towns, probably the widest college town, but there's still a lot going on and it's a lot of fun. And so you can just go down to Center Street and they shut down the entire street and put a farmer's market in the middle. Um, But one of the cool things about our college town is that there are a couple of students that have started a business making steamed buns in the style of China, Chinese. Oh, my gosh. They made steamed buns, which kind of like the Chinese steamed buns that Josh and I grew to love when we were living in New York City in the Chinese areas. But um, these buns are a little more Americanized, but still, they are delicious. Yeah, they have just the classic cha shao bao, which is like cha shao is like a Chinese uh, barbecue pork. And it's the bomb.com. But they also put like cheeseburger inside like the steamed bun and uh, buffalo chicken. So it was. And they do like dessert buns too, which I am a fan of. Like cream cheese, cinnamon sugar, steamed buns. I have such a bad sweet tooth. Like it's completely unhealthy like i could just shove sugar in my face all day i like how you introduced this story by saying one of like the best things about living in a college town is this specific restaurant like i guess it's not even a restaurant because they're like so brand new (laughs) if if anyone wants a reason to come to provo utah these buns are it (laughs) for reals though (laughs) Like, like, they're so new, they're not even a restaurant. It's like, we'll be at this table outside of this restaurant. <laughs> yeah, we just, I just, like, they, like, I saw an ad on Instagram for them or something, or, like, a suggested post, and I was just like, what? Like, steamed buns in Provo? And so I looked at it, and they just, like, they announced, like, when and where they're going to be, and usually they, like, set up outside of the back of a truck um, at a like a grocery store parking lot on the weekends. Um, and then some t- some weekends they don't even do any food. But like Sid and I went the first time and we loved it so much that any time, any weekend or any time they announce they're going to like be somewhere, we like, we go and we... We're there. And so the day after the trip, it was this Friday night. They said we we're going to be basically on Center Street. And so we're like, well, let's go. And we had no idea what else was going to be there. And we go to get buns, and all of a sudden, we're in the middle of this farmer's market in the street. We had no idea that that was going to be there. And we go get buns, and then we go outside on the sidewalk, and we're sitting on a bench, and we're eating these buns. And all of a sudden, this dude walks up to us, and he's just like, do you guys have, would you guys be interested in tickets for the comedy club? And I was thinking, actually, I've been wanting to go to the comedy club with Sydney for several months now. That would be awesome. So I was like, yeah. And he's like, tonight at seven? 
And I look and it's 6.53 and I was like, oh, you mean like right now in seven minutes? He's like, yeah, he just hands us tickets and it's just a couple blocks away. So we finish shoving the buns in our face, walk over to the comedy club, walk in, sit down and it starts. I was like, wow, that just happened. Yeah. And then we like, it was super fun too. Like I had such a fun time. And then we walk out of the comedy club and the farmer's market's still going on. Yeah. Guys, I love living in Provo sometimes. Sometimes I really hate it, but sometimes I really love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. I just, I think I'm definitely like a big city person and Provo is as close to like that big city feel that you're going to get without like being in the big city, you know? Do you get what I'm saying? Well, Salt Lake City is much more of a big city. Well, yeah, but like... A couple of blocks than Provo is. Yeah, that's true. That like, but I think it's just... I can't. I don't know what I'm trying Salt to say. Salt Lake City is much more of a big city. Whereas, like, Salt Lake City is nothing compared to. Like, like New York. Yeah. But, like, I miss New York so much. And I still sometimes, like, cry about it. Like, not even going to joke. <laughs> but, like, like, that day, just, like, being able to walk to, like, the comedy club. And there's, like, events going on in the street. It just reminded me of, like, being back in New York City and. Um, the time I spent living there, which was a very special time to me and definitely gave me that feel again. And I was, I really miss it. I was really glad for that. Yeah. I mean, the best part of living in New York was you met, you know, this guy. I'm pointing at myself in case anyone was wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you totally um, were on my radar in New York. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't even like talk to each other pretty much. No, not really. Um, but yeah, that was our trip. That was our week. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a pretty solid week. Hopefully, we can figure out uh, a bonus episode probably coming out to you soon with a little bit more information on the ancestral Pueblo people. We're really excited about it. We are. We are excited to learn more from other people. Yeah. I'm super pumped about it. So why don't we just go ahead and wrap up? Um hopefully like in the future well, I was just gonna say uh our next couple episodes should be also pretty fun where we've got a couple ideas about things that we can cover and Sid's really excited to show me things that she wants to like talk about, so Heck yes I am. <laughs> we've got some real fun stuff coming up for you guys. Let's go ahead and uh Close out the episode. All right. Our Instagrams are at Josh underscore is underscore rich. And mine is dip your chicken. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at TFP underscore pod or on Twitter at TFP underscore show. Be sure to follow us on social media for fun promotions and surprises in the near future. If you have any feedback or episode suggestions for us, please feel free to send us an email at participating.podcast at gmail.com. Also, please go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That will help us reach more listeners. It will help the algorithm, whatever it does, uh, and help us grow our podcast. Our cover art is done by Vaishon Brandon. You can find him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. And our podcast music is done by Mitch Fry at firefry underscore on Instagram and at Mitch Fry Music on YouTube. 
Well, I think that about wraps it up. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And thanks for participating. Oh, you beat me to it. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, have a good night or good morning or whenever it is you're listening to this. It's a good night for us. Well, Ad Vider Zane. Good night. Sleep tight and pleasant dreams to you. Da da. <laughs> is that the Carol Burnett show or something? No, 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 no. Uh, Lawrence Welk show. Oh. And now till we meet again. Adios. Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. Bye. Good night. Okay, third and hopefully final um, sound check. Why don't you go ahead and say what you just called me? I can't remember. Super sexy smarty pants? Oh, yeah. Super sexy smarty pants. It was like three seconds ago. I know, but I have the memory of a goldfish.